Welcome to the sermon podcast of the Potter's House Church in Virginia Beach, affiliated with Christian Fellowship Ministries. Our vision is winning souls, making disciples, and planting churches. Make sure to subscribe from wherever you're listening to continue hearing life-changing messages every week. These powerful messages are sure to inspire you and keep you on track. Whether it's our late founder, Pastor Wayman Mitchell, or any of your favorite fellowship leaders worldwide, including Pastors Joe Campbell, Paul Stevens, Mark Olson, Tom Payne, Harold Warner, Richard Ruby, and many more, get ready to hear from God through this message. Amen. Virginia Beach, how you doing? Good all of you in the house of God this morning. Uh, amen. It's always good when you come to a church and they're smiling. You, you know things are going to happen that are good, amen, when we're smiling. We come here all destitute and jacked up and, and with, no, with no joy at all. I mean, it may not be a great service. But the good thing is we have a Savior who gives us exactly what we need. Can you say amen? And that is the beauty, amen, one of the beauties, many beauties of our Savior. So, again, I appreciate your pastor, this congregation. You guys have labored here, been here many, many years, amen. And so I so appreciate you guys, man, appreciate your pastor, the opportunity to preach this morning, amen. And I'm going to do my best not to mess it up, amen. And so, with that being said, Mark chapter 8, amen. God bless you all, amen, this morning. Mark chapter 8 is where we're going to go. And this is hot off the press, amen. And so I'm assuming that it's for you. <laughs> amen. Mark chapter 8. Amen is where we're going to look at. The story goes of a worker who asked for a raise. And the way he asked for this raise, amen, is he sent a letter to his supervisor. And the supervisor wrote back uh, to, this, uh, to this worker and it said this. Because of the fluctuation, predisposition, of your position's productivity, capacity, as to standard norms, it would be momentarily in, incredulous to advocate your requested increment. The puzzled worker went to the supervisor and said, if this is about my pay raise, I don't get it. The supervisor said, that's right, you don't get it. <laughs> How many know oftentimes... We just want clarity. We just, especially in times where we're going through it, especially in times, amen, when we have un, uh, issues, amen, hardships, forks in the road, amen, decisions that have to be made, wrestlings. Um, we can go on and on about the things that we deal with on a daily, monthly, and yearly basis. But how many know, oftentimes at the base of all that, we can go through it as long as we have clarity. As long as we can see the light at the end of the tunnel, as long as we know where we are going and where we are headed, it necessarily doesn't matter what we go through to get there as long as we know where we're going. And for a few moments, I want to talk to you about clarity. And I know our conference, amen, just passed speaking about clarity. And so, amen, praise God. So God wants us to be clear. Praise the Lord. So we're going to read our text. Mark chapter 8. Verse 22 through 26, the Bible says this. Then he came to Bethsaida, and they brought a blind man to him and begged him to touch him. So he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the town. And when he had spit on his eyes and put his hands on him, he asked him if he saw anything. He looked up and said, I see men like trees walking. Then he, then he Jesus, put his hands on his eyes again and made him look up. 
and he was restored and saw everyone clearly. Then he sent him away to his house, saying, Neither go into the town, nor tell anyone in the town. Amen. Let's pray. Father, I thank you. I give you all the praise and glory. You are wonderful, Lord Jesus. And I pray, help us this morning, God. I pray, bring clarity, God, to where there may not be. I pray, God, let our eyes be open this morning. Let us see you as we are supposed to. Let us see our lives as we are supposed to. And we thank you and give you all the praise. And in my name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. If you're taking notes, clarity, please. Clarity, please. Amen. And before we start, got to take the jacket off. I tried. I tried. I try every service and it just doesn't work. Amen. Hallelujah. Clarity, please. Let's talk about in and out of Bethsaida. Jesus comes, amen, to one of his favorite places, a place where he has done many things, fed thousands, healed many, and so forth. The Bible tells us in our text, in verse 22, and they brought a blind man to him and begged him to touch him. So he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the town. Notice here that it was the people that brought the blind man to Jesus. And it was the people that spoke for him. We don't read of the blind man speaking to Jesus up to this point. Church, listen to me. Let me inject before I continue. Thank God for people, amen, that will pray for you. Thank God for people that will come to Jesus for you when we are tripping. Can you say amen? When we're messed up, when we got things going on, when we can't pray. Anybody with me? Thank God for the saints, amen. So thank God for your church, amen, that is willing, amen, to fast and pray for you when you can't fast and pray for yourself. In moments of lost clarity, you need a body of believers to help you. Listen to me. There are no lone rangers in the kingdom of God. There is nobody who can do it by themselves, especially when we struggle, especially when we have hardship. Amen. It is the body of believers that come together and begin to help us get us back on track. Can somebody say amen and push us to Jesus? So thank God for that. James 5 and 16 tells us this, confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of the righteous man avails much. Never forget that. When you believe in God for those that may have backslidden, when you believe in God for those, amen, who have lost their clarity, who are in this clouded, amen, uh, matrix, if you will, Remember, the effective, fervent prayer of the righteous man avails much. This is why, amen, well, excuse me, in times when there isn't transparency, in times, amen, when it's not all clear, you can go to your brothers and sisters and say, pray for me. Pray for me. Pray for my mind. Pray for my eyes. Pray for my heart. The people saw the blind man's condition and understood that we can't change it, that we can't make him see again. This has to be the work of God. And church, listen to me. When it comes to people, you can't change people. And it's going to have to be a work of the Holy Ghost. It has to be a work of God. Can you say amen? It has to be supernatural. So you have to shove people towards Jesus. I understand giving counsel. I understand giving wisdom. I understand helping people and talking to people. I'm not against all those things. But realize, amen, how many know we're not drawing people to our own counsel? 
We're not drawing people to our wisdom, but what we are doing, amen, is pushing them to the Savior, pushing them, amen, to the risen King that can help them. So Jesus hears and grants these petitions. He takes the blind man by the hand and out of the city. Now, of course, church, we know Jesus can do everything. Can you say amen? He can do whatever he wants. He could have said a word and healed this man, and it would have been over, and that would have been the story. Jesus said a word, touched him, and that's it. But what we are seeing here as Jesus takes him by the hand and brings him out of the city is a transfer of trust. Understand, amen, that he had to, the blind man had to trust his friends to take him to Jesus, but now the blind man now has to trust Jesus. See, when we, if we're on the road to clarity, you first, amen, have to put your trust in the right place. You have to, tr- huh? I said you have to put your trust in the right place. That if you trust the word of God, then that's what it is even when you go through it. That if you trust what God has said, amen, what God has put in your soul, what God has put in your spirit, then no matter what happens, I'm going to trust that. See, he had to now trust Jesus. He now had to put himself in his moment of blindness in the hands of Jesus. When you are blinded, if you will, when you can't see properly, when Excuse me, when things aren't as clear as they used to be, you still have to put your life into the hands of Christ. Because many times we say, wait a minute, I can't see. I'm going to trust myself here. Anybody ever did the the trust test where you got to stand there and you got to lean back and let the person, whoever's behind you, catch you? Now, I'm going to be honest with you. I never never did it. We used to have to do it in high school and all this other stuff. I'm I'm not doing that. I don't trust none of y'all. I fought with you last week. <laughs> you don't talk to me at all. I'm not, I don't trust none of y'all. You're not about to hurt me. But how many know sometimes that's how we feel? In the kingdom of God, even like, I don't, I don't know. There's too much to handle. It's too much going on. I'm going to have to not put my own thoughts into it. I'm going to have to put my own know-how and work my way out. Here we see that this man had to start to trust Jesus. Now the shifting has begun. Jesus now has to take over from there. If you're going to regain clearness, if you're going to regain vision, you're going to have to put your hope and your faith and keep it in Christ. Can somebody shout amen? Faith and trust in Jesus, even when you can't see, even when you can't figure it out. The second thing we see here is Jesus is personal. Everything isn't for the crowd to see. Jesus pulls him from the crowd, pulls him from the city, pulls him from his comfort, pulls him from his home. See, you must let Jesus shepherd you when everybody is not watching you. In other words, it means, amen, that there are times when Jesus does things in a church service like this, and there are times when Jesus does things in your kitchen at the house. Everything is not for everybody to see. There are things, amen, that Jesus personally wants to deal with you about. He personally wants to touch you in your living room, amen, when nobody is around and nobody's there to experience it with you, that Jesus is saying, this is a one-on-one with me and you. I mean, oftentimes, that's how God gets a hold of us, isn't it? It's when it's just us and him. I know in my own life, when I've gone through it at times, when I've dealt with hardship, the only way I would listen is when I was dealing with it, nobody could help me. 
Anybody ever been there? Anybody hard-headed like me? That you don't get it until you go through it. Now you're like, God, please. <laughs> I get it. I should pray. I get it now. It's when it's just you and him. See, Jesus is personal. He wants to be personal with you, if you will. He wants to personally touch you. There are times when we have to have our reference points removed. See, clarity is a cousin to touch, personal touch. In other words, a closeness to Christ that is birthed in private through him touching our hearts and touching our minds. See, could it be, church, that Jesus is pulling you closer to himself? That in the midst of everything you got going on, that he's really pulling you to himself. And you're trying to figure out, when you try to go ask for help, and people say, I, I don't know. Whereas before, they have a word for you. Where, where now, certain things that you would do, amen, don't work. And now Jesus is like, no, no, no. You got to come here. You know, my, my sons are getting older and bigger. And both of them are up to here now. And so one of them is quite large. <laughs> it's quite big. And uh, in a good way, in a good way, you know, he's not dying, right? But he, he, in a good way, he's, he's stocky. Weighs 100 and I think we weighed him at 57 pounds. He plays football, of course, right? That's where, we, that's where we're going. We're going to go, you know, I'm trying to get some money. If he's going to be that big, we got to get some money. Amen. Anybody with me on that? If, he's gonna, if you're going to be that big and eat my food, we're going to have to get some money from this. It's called investment, for folks. It's called investment. But he's big. And we're playing basketball. And I don't know if it's me getting older or him just being that big. I don't know yet. I'm not sure. But I did a move, and when I turned, he was right there, and it was like, boom, and it stood me up. And he looked at, and we both looked at each other in a moment of like, what just happened? Because he doesn't know whether to be excited or not, and I don't know whether to cry. Because he doesn't want to get too excited because something might happen to him. But and he stood me up, and in my mind, I'm like, the only way I'm going to get to the rim is I got to get past him. I got to go through him to get here. This is ridiculous. And he stood me up. You know, church, there are times in only, to get clarity, you have to go through Christ, man. And he stands you up and you realize, you realize, Christ, it's you. It's you who I need. I was running to drugs. Come on, somebody. I was running to pornography. I was running to this. I was running to the self-help books. I was running to people. I was running to therapy. Come on, somebody. You understand what I'm saying? But God stands you up and goes, no, it's him. You got to go through him. So he'll pull you from your reference points to make you realize you got to go through him. It's going to be through him. You're going to see deliverance through him. You're going to find hope in him. Come on, somebody. Let's talk secondly about Holy Spit. Now, I made sure to clear. I was working on that all day. Holy Spit. S-P-I-T. Bible tells us in our text in verse 23, and when he has spit on his eyes and his eyes <clears throat> and put his hands on him, he asked him if he saw anything and looked up and said, I see men like trees walking what I want to bring to your attention secondly is that Jesus, again, could have said and just spoken a word and it would have been done. But now he spits on the man. So let's let's get some clarity here. First, he takes him out of the city, deals with him, and now he's spitting on him. <laughs> and doing some research, though, 
just trying to figure this out, like what, what, what would be the, the thing here about the spit? Blindness was common during that time in that area. Very common. Not like here where if we see someone who's blind, we're like, oh, snap, you know. But there it would have been very common, maybe 5 to 10% of the population. The reason being is because, one, the sunshine, the dryness of the area, and the dust, amen, could have contributed, can contribute to blindness in that area. And as I'm looking at this, I'm like, okay, it would make sense for Jesus, amen, for Jesus, not for you or me, but for Jesus to say your dryness, amen, needs to spit. <laughs> Doesn't that sound like us, church? The dryness of life? Come on, somebody. The, 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 the spiritual dirt of life, amen, the things that we go through on a daily basis, the things that we see and hear on a daily basis, and it causes us to go blind. It causes us to ask this question, God, where are you? God, what is happening? God, why is this happening? God, I don't understand. I don't get all this. I can't make sense of it. And all these things, amen, can contribute to blindness. So Jesus spits on him. Mucus manufactured from the body of our Lord and Savior to another man's eyes, which tells me that the road of clarity cannot be manufactured by you or me. It, is, it has to, again, go through Jesus. In other words, spiritual blindness, blindness that comes from struggle, blindness that comes from frustration. Come on, somebody. You ever been blinded by frustration? If you have kids, you know exactly what I'm talking about. You've been blinded by, man, I'm, I'm going to hurt one of them. You know, I used to tell my boys, I'm like, you know, I'm young enough to make another one. I'm young enough to make another one. You better stop playing with me. You better stop playing with me. I'll make another one. I'll replace and name him your name <laughs> as a replacement. <laughs> but you get frustrated because you're not seeing the results that you want to see. You're not seeing God move the way you thought he would move. You have prayed. You have believed. You have fasted. You have been faithful. You have done, amen, what you feel God has called you to do. You're entering into ministry. You're doing the things that you know to do. You're serving the Savior, and yet and still, we have issues. And what it can cause is a frustration that says, you know what? Forget praying. Forget it. I'm not going to church no more. Whatever. I've been going to church, and look what's happening. I've been doing everything that I've been taught and know to do, and look. Look at my life. Forget it. Church, you're becoming blinded. I'm declaring you're becoming blinded. And that type of blindness will not be manufactured. Uh, that healing for that blindness will not be manufactured by you. Jesus has to literally spit on you, if you will. He has to spit. He has to put himself. He has to put himself. He has to tattoo himself on your heart, if you will. These things can't be made right by you. Vision comes from God, folks. And it is Jesus who gives us true clarity and restores our eyes. It comes from Jesus. He spit on this man and his vision 
was on the road to recovery. Let's look at a few scriptures, 2 Kings 6 and 16. So he answered, do not fear, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elijah prayed and said, Lord, I pray, open his eyes. Why didn't Elijah do it? Because he couldn't. Lord, I pray, open his eyes. You do it. Let him see. Let him have clarity. Let him see that the spiritual hosts are more. Let him see that the spirit of God is better. Let him see that Jesus is more powerful. That was his prayer. God opened his eyes. Then the Lord opened his eyes, opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw. And behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elijah. Who did Elijah pray to and who opened the man's eyes? Elijah prayed to the Lord and it's the Lord that opened his eyes. I feel like you still don't believe me. Okay, okay. Acts chapter 10. Acts chapter 10. Now, while Peter wondered within himself what was this vision which he had seen meant, behold, the men who had been sent from Cornelius had made inquiry for Simon's house and stood before the gate. And they called and asked whether Simon, whose surname was Peter, was lodging there. While Peter thought about the vision, the spirit said to him, Behold, three men are seeking you. Arise, therefore, go down and go with them, doubting nothing, for I have sent them. Who prayed? Who gave the vision? Who made it clear? Cornelius prayed to the Lord. The Lord gave him the vision, and the Lord made it clear to Peter what he was supposed to be doing. You follow what I'm saying? That it is the Lord, it is Christ, and Christ alone that gives us vision, and that gives us clarity. There are times, amen, yes, where a good word can help us, but ultimately it is Jesus who gives us the proper vision. This type of blindness I'm talking about can only be solved by Christ. Our text tells us that Jesus lays hands and asks him, what do you see? I see men as trees. What we can gather here is that this man at some point had sight. How else would he know what a tree is and what men look like? At some point, now I, I can't, I don't know if he was 28, 18, I don't know. But at some point we can gather, okay, if he knows what a tree looks like, he must have seen a tree before. If he knows what men looks like, he must have seen men before in order to say, I see men as trees. How many know if you've never seen a cat, you won't be like, yeah, I see cats walking around. You don't know what a cat looks like. So at some point, he had vision. At some point, he had clarity. But along the way, he lost it. And listen to me, folks. This can happen to him, and this can happen to you and me, that we can be saved and born again and set free. But at moments of life, we lose vision. At moments of life, we begin to try. We, we, we don't see as clearly as we used to see that one day it was clear I'm called to preach. It was clear I'm called to a nation. It was clear I'm called to be a pillar. But now, when things happen, it's I'm not so sure exactly what I'm supposed to be doing now. And we begin to lose our vision. So at some point, this man had clarity. He was able to distinguish one from another. He had discernment and at some point lost it. And Jesus, after spitting <laughs> in the man's eye and lays hands on him and asks him, what are you seeing? 
The road to clarity starts with Jesus and continues in honesty. Listen to me carefully. The road to clarity starts with Jesus and continues in honesty. What do you see? He didn't go, I see everybody. Everything's clear now. I'm great. No, he goes, ah, it's still a little cloudy. Still a little, still a little murky there. You got to be honest, folks. You got to be honest before Christ and go, Gaga, what do you see? Nothing. I see nothing. I don't see anything. This is terrible. I don't see nothing. You got to be honest about where you're at. You have to be honest about what you're going through. If I can just give a plug in for your pastor, he has not told me to say this by any means. But let me just give a plug for him. If he asks you a question, he doesn't want the, the, the traditional answer of the question. Let me tell you what I'm talking about. If I come to you, I'm going to go, hey, family, how y'all doing? Excellent. You're lying. I wouldn't ask that question if I didn't already know. Now, if I come and say, family, how y'all doing? Okay, we got into a fight right before church. <laughs> I slapped him. I slapped her. This thing happened. We, you know, we, kicked, we killed a dog by chance. And yes, because how many know we can help that? Right? Because now we're being open about where we're at. We're being open about what's going on, right? This is why we need honesty in Christ. Listen to me. You got to be honest before God and say what's really going on. I see men as trees. It's not exactly clear yet. It's better, but it's not where I need to be. Honesty. You have got to be honest about your spiritual life. You have got to be honest, amen, about your spiritual eyes. Come on, somebody. You got to be honest about where your heart is. I've met so many people that always tell me they're not bitter, but the minute I say the person's name, all of a sudden I see a shoulder going up. And they don't notice it. They're just like, what? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, if you want to look like the hunchback in Notre Dame, you'd be my guest. Honesty. I see ministries. My discernment is not quite there. My distinction is not what it used to be. See, he didn't worry about what Jesus may think of him. He was honest. The clarity still wasn't there. And church, when you go through it, everything isn't always as clear as you'd want it to be. How many know, how many read the book of Job and realized, I never want to be that ever? Does anybody else, has anybody else come to that revelation? I understand what he got in the end, but you know what? I'm okay with it. I'm, I'm okay. I, I don't want to go through that. But when you read the book of Job, you do realize that Job never got his question answered. He never, he never, Jesus, God wasn't like, okay, so here's the answer. God was like, where were you when I created? It always trips me out. God, what, Wilder, where were you when I created lightning? I wasn't here, I don't think. Uh, you know, you know, what do you? When the Lord tells you, all right, stand like a man and I will question you. Uh, no, I, no, <laughs> no, I don't like that. I don't, I, what does that even mean? I'm not, what? I don't want to go through that. In other words, it wasn't all clear. So you may get better vision as you move along, but don't always expect that God help me and God just, oh, here you go, boom, now it's all clear. Sometimes as you go along, the vision gets better. Can you say Amen. But this man was honest about what he was seeing. He was honest about his eyes and his heart. He was honest about what he was discerning. He was honest about it. Church, can I ask you, are you honest? 
Are you honest about what you're really seeing? Whether right or wrong, I tell my boys all the time, we have these talks because now they're 13 and 12. And so, you know, now you have to have these certain talks because I don't want them to hide nothing from me. And so we had these talks. I'm like, listen, right, wrong, or indifferent, just say it. Your honesty will get you a longer way than your lies. You lie to me, problem. But your honesty, I can help. And how many know lying is self-deceiving? You're putting yourself in a deceived state when you begin to lie. Jesus touches him, still not clear. It's better, but not clear. Again, don't be disturbed by this church. The road to recovery isn't always fast. It's a slow process at times. Now, don't raise your hand. How many here have ever had a hardened heart? Don't raise your hand. Please don't raise your hand. And if you've ever had a hardened heart, let's be honest, folks. It, 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 it wasn't over in a day. It wasn't just done. It wasn't like, oh, my heart's hard. Oh, Thursday. Oh, I'm good now. Oh, 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 thank the Lord. No, it was a process, amen, of gaining clarity and getting clear and clear and realizing it's me. <laughs> realizing it's me. Something, something here is wrong. See, the road to recovery isn't always fast. And can I inject something? I'm about to close here. Let me inject something. You know, this man being only able to see his men as trees also speaks to something that we've all gone through. That we know what we're supposed to see, but it looks totally different than what we're supposed to see. So in other words, we know that we're supposed to look out, amen, into our neighborhoods and see souls that need to be saved. We know that. We know that we're supposed to look out into the earth and see people that need Jesus Christ. But how many know there are times when we look out and say, I cannot stand him, that ugly neighbor in an ugly house. I can't believe, why don't you cut your grass? I know what I'm supposed to see, but this is what I'm seeing. I'm not seeing a soul that's a sinner, and because of that, they have hurt me. I'm seeing a person that just hurt me. That there are times we go through this that I know what I'm supposed to see. I know that when I come to church and I lift my hands in worship, that my eye, my spiritual eye, is to be focused on God and to be focused on Christ and to rejoice in his beauty and his faithfulness. But there are times when I come to church and that's not what my spiritual eye is seeing. I know what I'm supposed to see. We've all gone through it. But I'm here to tell you that Jesus brings clarity. Oh, I'm here to tell you that even those moments, amen, Jesus can work. Can you say amen? That he is still working on the heart, that he is still, if you put your trust, amen, that he can help you through those times, amen. That Jesus brings restoration. How many know in our text, Jesus isn't done with this man yet? See, the hope, amen, that this man went from total darkness to seeing somewhat should be encouraging. That you know what, he didn't leave the man there. That at first the man couldn't see anything. And now, amen, he's seeing ministry. The clarity is getting there. It's getting better. Something is working. Something is moving. And when you go through life, when you go through hardships, remember that, that God, even though all this is happening, you're still moving in certain areas. You're still moving here. I can see it. Even if it isn't all great. When I was a younger disciple. I guess I'm still young, I guess. I don't know. I feel old, but I guess I'm young. Me and my wife, we did a Bible study for teenagers. 
and we went to outreach. Now, mind you, we're broke. We ain't got no money. Cars raggedy. Everybody, been, you know, same story everybody been through, right? But man, we went to this outreach and we saw about 20 teenagers saved, right? Just, just off the street, saved. We had a big outreach. Our church did a big outreach. We just went to a community and said, any teens, come on. I mean, it was crazy. It was just, you know, it wasn't polished. It wasn't, you know, it was like, teens, come outside. And they all came outside. Like, okay, well, that works. So first day of Bible study, we got about six or seven teens we got to pick up. We're driving along. Me and my wife were excited. We're just like, man, we're getting Bible study. Oh, my gosh. Teenagers, you know, you know, we're only like 20. Oh, no, no, 22. We're about 22, 23. Just got married. We're like, man, this is going to be awesome. Boom. I get into a car accident. My wife's head goes through the windshield. Bow. Cracks the windshield. My chest hits the steering wheel. Boom. Now, right there, folks, everything, everybody's okay. Everybody's alive. We get back home. I'm picking shards of glass out of my wife's forehead. She didn't want to go to the hospital. Right there, right there, as I am in the bathroom taking these little bits of glass out of my wife's forehead, I have to be honest with you, folks. It wasn't exactly all clear. God, if we're doing this, why did this happen? Why would you, why am I here doing this? It doesn't make sense. I don't understand it. God, 20 teenagers, now what? Car destroyed. But in the midst of that, we still have a teenage Bible study to do. My pastor at the time, Pastor Rosario, didn't, he didn't, I ain't gonna say he didn't care, but it was, if you know, you may not know Pastor. Pastor Azara is not going to let you mope around very long. Not very, like probably like three to five minutes. You got three to five minutes in his presence to mope around. Then it's like, get back up. And he called me. He's like, you all right? Wife, all right? Everything okay? You need anything? No, Pastor, we good? We good? All right. Okay. All right. We'll plan for next Friday. Okay. Click. Huh? Next Friday? I am not. What? Because, see, God is still moving. Those souls still got saved. Come on, somebody. God is still, those teenagers are still there. Amen. Even though what I'm going through and my clarity is all, but they are still there. God is still working in the midst of my issues. God is still working in the midst of my hardship. He's still working in the midst of my struggle. And that's what I had to look at. And that's what encouraged me. Carla, we got to do it. We got souls to see, say, we got these teenagers, these young teenagers raw off the street who need Jesus. And for you, listen to me. You have to be encouraged by what you do see. You got to be like, oh, man, all this is happening. But yet in our church, we had 20 visitors. Yet we had a revival, saw people filled with the Holy Ghost. Yet in this, in this healing crusade, we saw people get touched. You got to be able to see just a little bit. I see men as trees. It's not very clear. But what I do see, I, I can see, though. I mean, I should give you hope. Okay. The man's sight now allows him to start making distinctions again. Now he knows from a tree and a man. He's making the distinction again. It's supernatural. And you have to realize 
God, all this is supernatural. God, you're going to give. It may be little by little, but I have to acknowledge what you're giving. I have to acknowledge what you're doing in my heart, that something is happening, that it's not all bad. Can you say amen? You know, Job in 42.5, one of the scriptures that always intrigued me. I have heard you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eyes see you. This is what Job said to, Christ, uh, to God. Clarity isn't always about finding out why. Did you hear what I said? That clarity is not always about why. Why this happened. Why this didn't happen. Clarity is about being able to see Jesus in your struggle. That's what clarity is. Clarity is being able to still see the will of God in the midst of your troubles. It's not about why this and why that and why couldn't have been and why did it. Has nothing. Job said, now I know I've heard of you, but now I see you because in the midst of everything that was going on, I see who you truly are now. Oh, I heard and I knew there was a head knowledge there, but now it's something deeper. My vision now sees you as the king. Let me close the second touch. Verse 25, then he put his hands on his eyes and again made him look up and he and he was restored and saw everyone clearly. The second touch from Jesus wasn't to be looked as if the illness was too great. But it is showing us the power of Jesus in our times of distortion. Notice here that the first, ter- uh, first touch was do what Jesus says. What do you see? But not a second touch made him look up. What we can gather here. Listen to me carefully. The key to clarity is not just whether you can see, but the direction in which you are looking. Huh? Did you hear what I said? I said the key, amen, listen to me, the key to clarity is not just whether you can see, but the direction in which you are looking. Clear vision is when you look through the Bible to see the earth in the the vision of Christ, in the filter. It is all filtered through Christ to see how life should be and could be. Are you looking up in times of barrenness? Are you looking up, not just about if you can see, but are you looking in the right direction? Are you looking to the mountains of hope? Come on, somebody. Are you looking, amen, to faith? Are you looking to trust? He says, now look up. First it was, what do you see? Now look up. Now look up. Thank God God that Jesus gives second touches. How many know we all need second touches in our lives? You know, the first touch when we repent for the first time, get our hearts right and praise God for it. But how many know there are times and we need that second touch at the altar? Come on, somebody. We need that second touch, amen, in our prayer closet. We need that second touch, amen, an hour before, uh, an hour before service at prayer. We need that second touch sometimes because now it's about direction. We can see, but we're just not looking in the right spot. The Bible tells us he was restored and saw everybody as he was supposed to. Everything came back to order. Everything came back to where it was supposed to be. See, this is the power of our Savior. I don't know who here may have lost vision. I don't know who here may be spiritually blind, but let me encourage you this morning that it is Jesus that can give you back your clarity, that it is Jesus, amen, with the second touch, amen, that can give you back your direction, amen, and you're going to have to cry out to God for that second touch and be honest about where you need that second touch. 
See, the second touch goes a little deeper. Once the man was restored, he was able to see clearly. The second touch of Christ goes into the heart, mind, and soul. It goes deeper, amen, in there. Oftentimes, bad vision can stem from a bad heart, spiritually speaking. A twisted spirit. Come on, somebody. Bad vision can come from hardship, bitterness, And it's that second touch, amen, that gets to the deeper issues. That second touch that gets to the deeper roots of life. Psalms 146.8. The Lord opened the eyes of the blind. The Lord raises those who are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous. The man was able to see properly when Jesus touched him. Maybe you need to cry for your second touch. Maybe you need a second touch for a breakthrough. The second touch of rejoining your heart back to your church, linking your hearts again. The second touch of getting back to your ministry. Jesus tells them, go home, go reconnect. I would encourage you to ask God for the first and second touch. Can you say amen? Psalms 160, uh, excuse me, Psalm 63, 1 and 2. Oh God, you are my God. Early I will seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. So I have looked to you, looked for you in the sanctuary to see your power and glory. That sums up the second touch. That when I'm in a dry and thirsty place, when I'm in a place surrounded by just barrenness, when I'm in a place surrounded by just issue and struggle, oh my gosh, that God, I go to look for you in your sanctuary, amen, to see your power and your glory. That is the second touch. That's what this man experienced. And that's what you and I can experience. Can somebody shout amen that we don't have to leave here blind. We don't have to leave here, amen, with just less We can leave here with full clarity and direction. And I encourage you this morning. I encourage you. Ask for the second touch. for listening to the sermon podcast of the Virginia Beach Potter's House Church. Were you blessed by today's message? Let us know. Please leave us a rating on Apple Podcast or on Podchaser. We'll be back next time with another life-changing word from heaven. God bless.